Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today I want to reflect on Psalm 113. It's a simple psalm that tells us about the goodness of God. Content is really simple, but if we were to take time really to ponder upon the greatness of God, this will do us wonders, do wonders to our lives. So let's listen to it and reflect on what this psalm says. Let us pray. Father, indeed, cause us to ponder at your praiseworthiness, that from the rising of the sun to its setting, your name will be praised because of the work that you do. Help us then, Lord, each day to reflect on your goodness, that indeed we may do as the psalmist tells us, to praise you every moment. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are three parts to this psalm. The first is a, uh, a call to praise the Lord. The second then describes God as above all nations. And the third then gives us concrete examples of what the Lord does. So let's look first at the call to praise the Lord from verse 1 to verse 3. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Several things to reflect upon. First, it is a call to all servants, all people who love God, who, all the people who want to do God's will. And that's a call to praise God. There are two thoughts to this. First, is that we are called to praise God from the rising of the sun to its setting. That means from early morning to late evening, there is so much to praise God for. Now, we, when we think about that, we realize then that God is always at work every moment. He is praiseworthy. The psalmist doesn't just tell us, go praise him, but he reminds us that there's so much to praise God for. I think one of the challenges then is that we need to, to slow down our lives, to savor it, to spend time to ask ourselves, what is praiseworthy about God? See, because the second thought is that the fact that we need reminders tells us that often we forget to see the goodness of God. So this call to praise God from the morning to the evening is just opposes two things, two truths. First is that throughout the day, God does praiseworthy things. But secondly, throughout the day, as God does praiseworthy things, we are unable or unwilling to see. When we think about these two truths, then it tells us that there's something a lot more that we can do that will enrich our lives. First, 
the realization that each day God does wonderful and mighty things. And secondly, that we can't see them. So often we can't see them, we can't remember them, we don't notice them. And so one of the most important things to do each day is to ask God to open our eyes, to see, to remember, to experience His goodness, that we may spontaneously praise God. See, sometimes we tell ourselves, well, if God commands me to praise, I shall praise. But you know, if praise that doesn't come from the heart is empty praise, I mean, it's like flattery. If I don't believe that someone's good and say, oh, you're so great, I mean, that's rubbish, that's a lie. And surely we don't want to lie to God and say, God, in our hearts, there's nothing to praise God for, but God, praise you. I mean, that is utter hypocrisy. When we are told to praise God, we are told to find reasons, to know why there is so much to praise God for. And so what is needful for us are two things. First, that we ask God to open our eyes to see the work that He is doing, that we may be filled with awe, filled with praise. And the second then is to slow down our lives and allow God to show us we often live very very frantic lives, running from one activity to the next, thinking of ourselves and how successful we are or how what a failure we are, trying to keep our heads above water. And that's not the way, no way to live that way. Rather, perhaps, even the course of each day, we pause and say, God, show me your glory. Show me what wonderful things you are doing and what wonderful things you have done. And believe from our hearts that every moment is a praiseworthy act of God. We can see it. And so when we believe that God is doing something great all the time, and when we start to pray and ask God to show us what He's doing, and then we pause and allow God to really show us, then indeed we will know how praiseworthy our God is. And Psalmist also says, from this time forth and forevermore. The miracles that God did in the past, He continues to do in the present. Sometimes in different ways. I mean, you wouldn't see God parting the Red Sea. But you still got, see God working miracles in lives, in transforming lives. Have you ever gone to a meeting that you were full of anxiety, really nervous about because it's going to be a terrible fight at the meeting? And then you went and you prayed and you said, God, Please intervene and make it different. And as you walk into the meeting, you suddenly feel the presence of God and hearts that are changed, hearts that are softened. And the meeting that was threatened to be a terrible meeting turns out to be a wonderful meeting. Have you ever experienced something like that? Or dynamics at home or something that you ask God to, to help? Sometimes you don't even ask, but you ask God to open your eyes to see what He is doing. And you discover that God is working mighty miracles always from this time forth, forevermore, and before that too. From every moment of every day for eternity, God is working mightily. But we need to take time to, to observe, to thank God, to notice and to remember. So one of the exercises that I often teach people is this. Let we be still and then we say, God, show me how you have blessed me and people around me. 
And then you go through, starting from the morning, you think through what were the blessings that you received or you observed, that you saw, that, were real, that really showed the goodness of God. You go moment by moment and asking God to show it to you. When you have reached the end of that day, there may be so much that you want to thank God for. Because it is true that God is working mightily every moment, from the setting of the sun to the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. He is working mightily. We need to take time in our schedules, in our anxiety, in our anger, to be still to see what God is doing. The next point is that God is high above all nations in verse from verse 4 to verse 6. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks down, far down on the heavens and the earth? One of the reasons why we often don't see God work is that God's ways are so much higher than ours. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 and 9. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 and 9 say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Often we ask God for certain things, we pray specifically, and yet God thinks very differently from us. I remember in my younger days I was taught, you must be specific in your prayers. Tell God, God, I want my house. If you're buying a house, God, I want a house that is not facing the morning, is facing the morning sun and not the afternoon sun. God, I want this. God, I want that. And be so specific. And as I thought about it, I realized, I asked myself, but what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong in asking? Not because it's sinful to ask, but what if I got things wrong? What if the neighbor that I asked for isn't the neighbor that will help me that I need? What if the size of the house that I asked for isn't the right size for me? What if the location and the house that I really want isn't the right house for me? The reality is that we don't know. And so I've learned to be far less specific. And I say to God, God, you know the things that I want, but I'd rather have the things that you want to give me. Because God's mind is way above ours. It's as far as the heavens are from the earth. God's ways, God's minds, God's thoughts are far superior to mine. And so there are times when I ask God for something and I don't see it, and I fret, and get angry and upset. But the truth is that God knows better and He sees the things that I don't see and He gives me the best that I do not appreciate. And so I ask God to help me to rely on Him, to yield to Him, not because I must, but because it's the smartest thing to do. See, it says the Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Heavens, we thought, was to the ends of the earth, right? I mean, to the ends of creation. The heavens is everything. Yet God is above the heavens. He sees heavens as below Him. He is in control. He sees the powers of nations as controllable, as minute, because He is above the nations. <clears throat> and so we need to learn to trust that even when things don't go right, 
even when we see so much corruption, you know, each day as I read the news, I get so incensed and worked up. I think about politics, the injustices, the wars, the cruelty. And often I say to God, God, why do these why why don't you just send these people to hell? Why don't you just slaughter this nation, all the leaders of this nation, because they do not deserve to live. They have done so much that is cruel and wicked. God, I wish you would slay them. And I feel it because I see how they oppress the poor and the weak, how they torture and have little regard for lives. And I feel that they deserve life far less than those whose lives they take. And often then I find myself telling God, God, just kill all these people. Kill all these people like Putin and his henchmen and and the politicians in other countries that are so corrupt because they have no value for the people, the ordinary people. And yet at the back of my mind, I know too that God is in control, that God knows what he's doing. But even though I don't see vindication for the poor and the unjustly treated, I know that God has his ways and he will do his wonders. I need to trust that. And then the specific examples. Verse 7 to 9, He raises the poor from the dust, he lifts the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with princes and the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is a testimony of what God has done when at the psalmist's time. When he saw the poor, the helpless, the hopeless, the ones in the ash heap being lifted up to be rulers, the barren woman to have children. But again, I ask myself, how true is that? Does this happen all the time? Do we not often see tragedies and disasters more often than we see these answered prayers of the poor, of the helpless, of those in the ash heap lifted up to be princes, to sit with princes. How few and far between are these cases compared to the many disasters and tragedies? Just a few days ago, I had a debate with my daughter and same question, the question, how can it be that we say that God is good when you see so many disasters in the world? If we were to credit God for all the answered prayers and praise Him, shouldn't He also take the blame for the disasters, for the cruelty in Ukraine and the disasters in Pakistan or the corruption in Sri Lanka? If we were to praise God for answered prayers for us, do we not also have to look at all the people who suffer, even those in Singapore, those who have no homes, those who live tragic lives? Doesn't God have to take responsibility for these as well? I pondered long upon this question. What I remember then is that while the big picture is that people do suffer, the day-to-day, person-to-person picture is often different. Because so often I talk to people who are poor, people who are oppressed, and as we talk, the ones who look to God have a different story to tell. They may have had terrible lives outwardly, 
Yet inside there is so much joy. <clears throat> One Christmas I was at Oasis, the preaching point of Barker Road Methodist Church. And I love going there because they reach out to the poorest of the poor in the neighbourhoods. And there was this woman <clears throat> on a wheelchair. She turned to me, it was Christmas Day, and she turned to me and asked, Pastor, so how was Christmas Eve? And I was all ready to complain to her that it's, you know, pastor's life is not so easy. Pastor has to prepare his sermons on Sunday, so how to enjoy Christmas Eve? It's the worst time for pastors. And yeah, we are miserable on Christmas Eve and so tired and sleepy on Christmas Day. How to celebrate? <clears throat> but before I could even say that, she said, you know, pastor, miracle happened. I was in ICU. No, I was in A&E yesterday. You see, this lady had so many illnesses. She was in a wheelchair. She was paralyzed, waist down, but she also had her organs that were failing. And she said, you know, Pastor, I was rushed to A&E yesterday. But after some treatment, they discharged me and praise the Lord, I'm in church today on Christmas Day. As I heard the story, I really had to shut up. Because here was a woman filled with thanksgiving and joy, not seeing the pain of being rushing to the A&E, but seeing the opportunity, the privilege of coming to church on a Sunday. There was another woman sitting behind her and um, she greeted me warmly and said, and she was so full of joy. And I turned to the staff behind, standing back, and I asked her, what's this woman's story? And she said, well, her son died in a traffic accident a few years ago. Husband died in a, <clears throat> an illness. And then her other son just recently died as well. But this woman, despite all the tragedies, found a joy deep inside her heart that allowed her to really praise God, not, not from lip service, but truly from the depths of her heart to praise God. As I talk, listen to stories from social workers as well, I realize the same thing, that many people have so such tragic lives. And yet, within the tragic lives as we talk, as they allow God to work in their lives, they see a different picture, a different side of life, a life that is filled with thanksgiving of miracles, of joy. I worked in death row where you know, everyone waits to die and it's meant to be a sad place. And yet day by day I see people whose hearts, are, whose lives are so full of the joy of the Lord. Nothing much to look forward to except death, but to them death is also going to heaven. But before that, the months before that, is life so full of joy in the presence of God? And I realized then that it is true that those who are poor, those who are oppressed, those who are in the ash heap are lifted up. The personal stories tell me that, that they often have so much more joy than those who live in wealth and opulence because they hold on to God and God works miracles individually in their lives. Same for the barren woman. It may not be the children of her own, but as she opens her life to God, God surrounds her with other people, children, nephews, nieces, friends, people who surround her because she becomes an instrument of God's grace. And I see stories like that as well. 
barren women unable to have their own children, and yet being surrounded by others younger than them, older than them, friends whom they have ministered to. And I see once again the miracle of God. Joy is not in what we have. Joy does not come with the abundance of possessions. Joy comes with the presence of God. And so even the poor will be lifted from the dust, the needy, from the ash heap. And indeed, they will be like sitting with princes because the joy in their hearts will be as great and the authority that God gives them to minister, to bless others, to bring the kingdom of God to others is great. As with princes with the authority to bring blessing to people. As I ponder this psalm then, helps me to understand several things. That first, God is working miracles every moment from the rising of the sun to its setting. But we need to have God open our eyes and we need to be alert to see it. And therefore the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, you servants of the Lord. There is so many reasons, there's so much cause to praise God every moment because God is doing mighty things every moment. But there are times when we don't understand, and yet we acknowledge then that God's ways are far higher than our ways and His thoughts infinitely higher than our thoughts. And we learn to submit to God in faith. Because lastly, finally, we see the miracles that God does with each life. No matter how hard the lives is, the lives are, God does miracles in their lives. It could be yours as well, it could be mine as well. If we were to ask God to open our eyes to see and then to work in our hearts, that He may indeed dwell in our hearts, and then we'll be so full of joy, then we also will be people who will have authority to minister to others. Let us pray. Father, let this psalm be true in our lives that from the rising of the sun to its setting, we may praise and bless your holy name. Not because we have to, but because we have seen and tasted of your goodness. We see your goodness in people. We see your goodness in circumstances. We see your, your miracles in your presence with us. Open our eyes, open our senses, cause us to realize this. But Lord, allow us to know too that when things don't go our way, it's not because you aren't answering, but because in your wisdom, your compassion and your love for us, you withhold these that we want, that we may have something else that is far greater. And Father, allow us to know too this great truth, that indeed the poor will be lifted from the dust, the needy from the ash heap, because Lord, you will seat each one who turns to you in places with princes, with the authority and with the joy and fullness, the riches of princes. Help us to believe this for our lives and to believe this also in the lives of others, that as we go out to minister to people, we may give them that hope also that those whose lives have been so crushed may also see your goodness personally in their lives. Lord, grant this to us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in and have a blessed time. God bless you.
Goodbye.